about building faith in delay and contrary circumstances. Building faith in delay and contrary circumstances. And some of the delays can be extremely long. And I was actually wondering, you know, God does just sort of highlight things to us at different seasons in our life. And this has been in my heart. And I'm just asking Holy Spirit this morning, why is this in my heart? And it could be actually to do with the fact that I'm facing another birthday very soon. And uh, it's one of those landmark birthdays, some of you know what it is. But you do reflect, actually. And I, and I know, I'm, I'm maybe it's birthdays, but I become super aware of promises that have been in my life and on my life that are yet to be. Uh, and some of them have been hanging around a heck of a long time. And some of you in this room are going to have that. It may be a year, it may be five, it may be a few decades. But let, let's look at Abraham, who's our father in the things of faith. This is verse 16 of Romans chapter 4. And we're going to read together to the end and just make a few comments if we get time. We'll, we'll, we'll do something together at the end. So therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. And I think it's really important, just as we go through this, that the promises come by faith so that they, they activate faith in us. <coughs> so the origin of the faith is from God, from his promise. And the fulfillment is by grace, not by works. Although we have to apply ourselves to the promise. So Paul writes to Timothy and talks about the prophetic words over his life and says that you know, basically work with them so that it's evident that you're making progress. But ultimately it's not your effort that makes it happen. And as we see with Abraham who had a barren marriage for decade upon decade, there was almost nothing he could do about making the promise on his life come true other than just keep believing it. So, we are, this was guaranteed to Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And, and the other thing, I think, just to notice here, is, is faith is a legacy. So, for those of you who are parents here, I believe every family has a unique calling, unique promises, unique grace on them, unique expression of the heart of the Father and, and, and gifts of the Spirit, etc. Now, as you, as you hold on to those and sustain those, even if you as parents don't fully enter into them, if you sustain that faith, that becomes inheritance for the generations after you and your family. Your, your faith in the promises God has put on your family is creating momentum for your children, your grandchildren and beyond. Actually, they're going to come into things that maybe you never see, but it's because you believe. And that's what Abraham did. We are actually, we're actually fruit of his faith. Yeah. And he's, other than being in heaven looking down, he's actually physically never seen us. Um, okay, let's go. Keep going. As it's written, I've made you a father of many nations. So we know the story that God appears to Abraham and promises him his offspring will be as many as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. And he even changed his name to father of many or father of multitude. So here's a childless couple wandering around, living, living as nomads really, with no fixed address. 
in a land that God promised him, but he never, other than the burial site, he never owns any of it. He lives this, this nomadic life and every place he stops and introduces himself, they say to him, what's your name? He says, my name is Father of a Multitude. And then they say, well, how many kids have you got? And they say, I haven't got any. And God changed his name to Father of Multitude. That's kind of awkward. For 20, for 20 plus years, this statement, this promise was in place. So he's our Father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Just pause there a second. If you have a God who can raise the dead and create out of nothing, then there is absolutely nothing he can't do. If we don't have it, he can make it. <coughs> if it's dead, he can make it alive again. Actually, removes pretty much every obstacle that could be yes. to the fulfilment of anything he may have said. Yeah. It's true. I thought that was, that was good. He <laughs> <laughs> gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He calls him to being. So he's already doing that with Abraham. He's given him a name that represents God's opinion of his life, which his life yet does not represent or line up with. So he's living, already now, Abraham is living in a tension place. He's living with tension, and probably that tension heightens every month. But actually it says that actually she's beyond that. We get to the point where actually Sarah's even beyond that. So there's no more time of the month. There's no possibility physically for that uh, uh, infertility to be reversed. So let's keep going, verse 15. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, so, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. I mean, this is, this could, this is funny, actually. <laughs> you know, some people have children late in life that are surprised. <laughs> if, you talk, if you talk to them so anybody here over 50 <laughs> the days are not up something can happen mostly you go oh that'd be operation or something like that God can create things out of nothing just, just saying um, since he was I'm preaching to myself here since he was about a hundred years old. I, I figured me and Jesus before have done our bit. That, you know, we're, not, we're, we're, not, we're not really lacking in that area right now. So, uh, since he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. I mean, this is, this is a pretty... Just looking at the fact. So he faces the fact. And, and, and he faces the fact, and the Bible faces the fact. And lists the facts. He's too old, she's already barren, and now she's too old if she wasn't barren. Uh, she's probably in her 90s. Um, I mean, this is, this is like my dad having kids. Talk to the about not here today, but talk to the about He only had one, that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you something. <laughs> no, yeah, we won't go there. Perfect child I was not. 
Um, let's keep going and then we'll, we'll come back to it. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. And this is why it was credited to righteousness. And we'll stop there. I think this is... This is such a powerful, powerful passage. The context is obviously the gospel that is by faith and not by works. But here is here's a man, he's actually not believing the gospel for forgiveness and righteousness. He's believing a promise that he's going to inherit the earth and he's going to have offspring. And his faith in God's promise, which is a specific promise about his ability to reproduce, becomes righteousness. God counts his faith to him as righteousness. So that means he looks at him as a forgiven, righteous, holy person because of his faith in the promise of God rather than his activities of righteousness. So that's where Paul is going in this passage. But it's showing us some other stuff which is about, it's actually possible for your faith to get stronger even when nothing is happening. In fact, not only is nothing happening, the situation is getting worse, not better. You're getting older, the ability to reproduce naturally has disappeared, the circumstances are getting worse. Every year that ticks by, the probability that this could happen by any natural means is shrinking to absolute nothing. And yet it says here that Abraham didn't waver concerning the promise of God, but he actually got stronger in his faith. That, that's kind of counterintuitive to us. But, but let's just look at this. He didn't waver. When I, every time I read that, I think, well, what about Hagar or about Ishmael? So there's Abraham. He's got this great promise that we've talked about. And he's waiting for the fulfillment and nothing is happening. Another year ticks by and he's like, I'm supposed to have kids. So he solves the issue himself by... Uh, by basically having a baby by a female servant called Hagar, and she does give birth to Ishmael. I don't know about you, but that sounds like wavering in unbelief regarding the promise of God to me, and, and taking matters into my own hands in order to make it happen. Is that, <clears throat> are you happy with that conclusion? That's, and there's a number of times in Abraham's life that you feel that he's not fully there with this promise. And you know, some angels come by, embarrassing that to encourage him. But having a baby by your servant and thinking that's the answer to doesn't sound like not waving. That sounds like a pretty big wobble to me. And yet, here, did not waver through unbelief. How does that make how does that make sense? King David, we know about King David in the Old Testament, and, and we know that he was this amazing leader, but we also know he had some pretty massive wobbles, and uh, he you know he made love to a woman who wasn't his wife, he killed her husband, <laughs> he had an illegitimate son, no, no, no. It was less than fantastic. And yet God's summary of his life is that David was a man after God's heart. And isn't it interesting that the Bible records all the sordid details on the one hand, and on the other hand makes these 
apparently unrealistic declarations about the nature of the people involved. So it's not neglecting David's infidelity, it's not neglecting to record in detail Abraham's wobble, but then when you get to the, particularly the New Testament, the declarations that the Holy Spirit is making through the authors of the New Testament is making about the lives of these people is glorious. Abraham, the father of the faith, he didn't waver through unbelief. He actually got stronger in faith as he gave glory to God. And, you know, and Ishmael created all kinds of problems. It wasn't just like a little mistake. And, and it does make you think if God actually remembers his own book. <laughs> We believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The whole of it is the, is the Word of God. He wrote the other stuff so we'd know about it. And then he writes this stuff and it makes us... Well, maybe he forgot. That, but then he doesn't forget. Or does he forget? I, I've forgotten whether he does or not. What's going on? God's version of your life is without condemnation. Because later in this letter it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's a little bit like, if you, I don't know if you can imagine a film editing studio and they've taken hours and hours of film and they've got enough to make, you know, Lord of the Rings times three, but they only want a two hour movie. So they have to go through all this material and they start cutting out stuff and it all gets left on the and then they, I don't know if they do it like that anymore, probably all digital. <laughs> but the digital equivalent, sorry, I'm getting older. The editing, the editing software, Simon's into film, so he's kind of giving me looks like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there was a day in the ancient of days where they edited it by cutting the film. Is this illustration working? Okay. It's like when God looks at your life, all those wobbly moments, He's cut them out. That's grace. So it's there for us to read in the account, but when He thinks about it, He thinks, man of faith, woman of faith, woman after my own heart. And then he says it to you. Have you noticed how he says it to you? He gives you his opinion of you, but you can remember the wobbly bits. You haven't edited them out. So you go, how can that be true of me, God? Look, there was this, this, and this, and this. And he says, no, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to think like I think about your life. And I don't think about all that stuff anymore. I know you did it, but actually my opinion of you is man of faith, is woman of faith. My opinion of you is you never wavered. Because we can disqualify ourselves from God's blessing because we become too aware of our wobbles, whereas He forgets about them. For certainly sin, He removes it as far as the east is from the west. There's a sense of which it's no longer in His view. When He thinks of you, it's not on the video. Is that okay? Just checking with my technical consultant. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? So he looks at you through Christ. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. And he says, 
You are also the Holy Lamb. Last week and five years ago, I did that one awesome thing. He says, Well, do you believe me now? Yes, then you're a man of faith. God's version of me is without condemnation. It undergoes a favorable edit in the whatever place they do editing in heaven. The halls of video editing. I should have worked on this more, but uh, I've also been on holiday. This could have been a really sick illustration, but you got the idea. Somewhere in, in God's reality, there is this sort of faint echo of what happened, but right up front and centre, what he's thinking about you and me is woman of faith, man of faith, person after God's heart. And actually faith, fundamentally faith, what is faith? Faith is believing what God says about you. Because we can have all kinds of great definitions of it and there are other ways we can explain faith. But fundamentally in this passage, Abraham is doing one thing. He's believing God's opinion of him. God says to him, you, you are and you will be a father of many nations. You'll have multiple offspring. And he's like, and to the point that my branding, my labeling of you is Abraham, father of many. Abraham says, if you say it, I'm going to agree with that. That's your opinion of me. And what he's doing, it says, again, hope against hope. Isn't that a strange phrase? How can you hope against hope? What it's saying is, all the natural pointers that would inspire you to have hope in the fulfillment of this promise, or in the fulfillment of this thing you want, all of them are pointing in the wrong direction. Every, every, every pointer, everything you could draw on to give you a little bit of hope is actually pointing to hopelessness. You're getting older. You have no results. It's been 20 years, etc., etc. Nothing, 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 nothing in what you observe, the facts, the earthly facts that you face is going to generate hope inside you. And yet Abraham in hope believes. And yet he's facing the fact. Now I don't know about you, but that I find tricky. Like I'm facing the facts, that tends to bleed into my heart as hopelessness if I'm not careful. Is this making sense? But actually what he's saying here is hope against hope he believes. So his hope in God's declaration didn't get shrunk by his looking at the reality of his situation. So actually, at one level, he is in denial. And people who live by faith can look weird. Because they go around saying, I'm the father of many, I'm the father of many nations. And people around him go, we've got no kids. <laughs> and you're 100 years old, you're off your trolley. No, uh, this is who I am. Nice, pleased to meet you. What's happening is facing the facts, but he's not letting the facts. Where's the denial working? He's denying their effect on his faith. He's denying the reality that he's facing access to modify the reality that he's received from Heavenly Father. 
possible to be surrounded by everything pointing in the wrong direction and still be fully believing for what he said. You face the facts, but you're not letting those facts, the denial point is you're denying those facts the right to interfere with your belief. You're not denying that they exist, but you're just denying them effect on your heart of faith. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, to Westerners, in actual life, for a lot of us, that's a challenge to work to work that out because we're so used to learning, working through our senses, and our beliefs about life are formed by what we see, hear, taste, touch, measure. What Abraham was doing is saying, "All that is out there, and that may be true, but actually, what I'm believing is going to be governed by what he said to me." No matter how contrary to my circumstances that declaration is. And then it says that he grew, he didn't just believe it, he got stronger. And this is the NIV, it says, and gave glory to God. A number of other translations of the ESV, it says, he was strengthened in his faith as he gave, as he gave glory to God. So it's actually possible, Abraham has shown us, to get stronger in faith in the delay, in the contrary circumstances, in all the stuff that's working against hope, it's actually possible to grow in faith and hope. Even though there's no evidence, even though the evidence is pointing the opposite way to which you would prefer. You know, it's always easier to jump on a bandwagon that's already started. Oh look, that's going well. I believe that's going to succeed. Here's a guy for whom it wasn't going well, but he believed he was going to win. He was believing to commence his own momentum. And he did. So how do we grow strong as we give glory to God? How can he give, how does that work? I think there could be other ways of looking at this, but I actually think this is connected to worship. What's the easiest way, get ready guys, what's the easiest way to give glory to God? It's in how we live, it's in our attitudes, in our behaviours, but worship is one place where we glorify God probably the most. And we engage our heart and our affections and we pour that all on Him. I'd like to suggest to you that, that maybe Abraham's worship life went something uh, along the lines of singing songs like this. So this is a song that I sing, and it's a really old one, so probably nobody will know it. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for you. 
insert the impossible thing. Insert, that's what I do. Stand in my study, I go, cancer, cancer. You're the healer of cancer because nothing is impossible to you. You're going to raise, you raise the dead. You promise I would raise the dead and nothing is impossible to you. I haven't seen it yet, but it's going to happen because we've got a problem. Yes, well, I've not seen it in the measure I would like to see it, but I have seen it. So it's also good to remind yourself what you've done, and I have seen the dead raised ones. But I'm believing. It's funny how you can forget all these miracles, isn't it? Yeah. I've seen the dead raised ones, I've seen cancer healed, but there's a, a, there's a, a measure of that to come that I'm believing for. And when we have a setback, when we hit sorrow, when we hit grief, when we find these situations like that, it's so unbelieving for miracles, I will put the thing that just whacked us one or whacked me one and go, I believe in you, God, that you are going to raise the dead. I believe in you. Yeah, we've seen all these cancer things, but you're the cancer healer. I still believe it. And, and provision and, and all, whatever your promises are, it doesn't just have to be the realm of healing. With all kinds of things that you actually glorify God and thank Him for the reality of who He is and you, you, you declare the thing that's opposite, probably, to what's actually happening around you at that particular moment. You start to deny it space to incubate in the place where hope should live. And actually what it does, it pushes it out so that hope in God remains your centre and you don't get this disappointment thing that start to corrode your confidence. I believe that, that's what this is saying. He actually got stronger, and 20 years, I mean, it just gets to the point where you're like, it's going to happen! <laughs> I, mean, I wonder if that happened with Mary. You know, did Mary go birth to Jesus, mother of Jesus? And she had all these promises in before his birth, these incredible promises. And now he's coming up, he's 30 years old, and there's been no visible thing about his life. And he's at a wedding. Do you remember that story? And, and he's at a wedding and nothing really has happened yet in terms of ministry with Jesus. He's 30 years old. There's his mom with all these incredible promises. And she goes up to him and kind of says, son, they're out of wine. And she, he says, he looks to his heavenly father and says, no deal. We're not doing wine today. And he says to his mom, we're not doing wine today. She says, tell, tell, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus looks at Heavenly Father and goes, Heavenly Father says, Mom has called it, change the plan. <laughs> What's going on? I think there's all these promises, it's like 30 years, today is the day, Jesus! <laughs> You're going to do something about the wine situation in this wedding? Because I'm a mom and I've had 30 years of these promises brewing inside of me. Today it's going to happen. And it says that through that miracle you reveal his glory. So I'd like us to get our band back together. And, and I'd like you to think, probably you already are thinking about promises, realities, things that God has put in you and on you that haven't happened yet, that have maybe been discouraging. And you're going to sing that hope song. And somewhere, you know, you do it your own way, put your stuff in it and say, whatever it is that hasn't happened, I believe you're the God that makes that happen. You're the God of miracles. 
find a way to focus whatever it is that isn't happening, that hasn't been breakthrough, you've been waiting 30 years for, start to declare hope from heaven over that, the promise of God over that. Are you with me? We'll use this song to do it. One second. I really believe that for some of you, this is a sustaining word. It's just going to keep going until the moment comes. Actually, for others of you, it's a Mary moment. It's just built up and built up. It's like, now! <laughs> this is the time. This is the time for that promise to get fulfilled in your life. Don't, don't let disappointment rob you of the moment. Uh, and sometimes singing this when you're in disappointment feels emotionally out of whack. But actually, as we do worship, our emotions start to line up with heaven's reality. 